Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Straight out of the burbs of L.A., this is So I Married a Movie Geek. Welcome to So I Married a Movie Geek. It's Chrissy McQueen and Justin Winters. Woo woo! Woo woo! <laughs> we are excited to join you guys tonight, and not only because uh, I leave on a jet plane in the morning and we're worried about whether or not I'll make it in and out of the airport alive, but because we are celebrating perhaps our last night together, <laughs> if something bad does happen, with Saki. What are you talking about? I'm a little bit worried about going to the airport in the morning. Chrissy, you are a... A short, white, blonde girl with blue eyes. I think you'll be okay. No, 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 no. That's not why I'm worried, dummy. I'm worried because I am an, a vocal member of La Resistance. And it's funny. Just a second ago, even before recording, I was like, if I make a sign, what should my sign say? And so I'm not... What a- did I say? I said, you have enough stuff. Luggage. You don't you make a sign. Luggage. You're going to have trouble with two bags. I'm just, obs- I mean, I didn't get to march when we, and when everyone marched about a, a week ago and I feel like I need to make up for lost time. Um, so what worries me is not so much my look, but my mouth. <laughs> I'm afraid that my mouth might get me in trouble. Well, that's all the time. So. Yeah, I know. See, you should be worried. This might be our last night together. Tusaki. Oh, well, well, I'm drinking sake because you're going away and... I'm going to be stuck with two crazy kids and a mother-in-law for five days. Okay. First of all, you asked the mother-in-law to come so she could help. So that's a good thing, supposedly. It is. Okay. But there's there's pluses and minuses for everyone. Secondarily, <laughs> I think that it's actually a, a good thing for the kids to have you as their like default parent for a little bit. Okay. Doesn't mean it's any less difficult. True. Okay. It, it's going to be stressful. I understand. Remember when I was gone for, what, two days, three days? Okay. By the way, every single time we talk about this, you shorten a day. You were gone five days. And then the last time we talked about it, you said you were gone four. Now you said you were gone two days? No. Sorry, sir. Five. Um, five. I, I left on a Thursday and I came back on a Sunday. But the kids didn't see you till Monday. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. I just said, how long was I gone? Not how long was it for the kids not to see me? Semantics. Oh, whatever. Anyway. It wasn't two days. I'll tell you what. Anyway, (laughs) I'm good at counting, guys. That's the point (laughs) of everything. That and uh, we watched two movies this week. We originally The the original plan was, and if you listened last week, you might have heard this. I was like, oh, it's Super Bowl. Like, Super Bowl's coming up. We should watch football movies. And uh, I said that on the podcast, but before when I actually announced that to Chrissy, her response was, Ugh, or something like that. To be fair, that's kind of been my response in general lately. <laughs> no, f- football was like, it was audible and very vocal. Well, to this day, I still don't understand how football is supposed to work. I see one throng of guys, I see a second throng of guys, some numbers are thrown out in the air, like 10, 16, 42, and then they all go, and they crunch into well, each other. That, I mean... There's a ball. That's it. Let's say that I've been trying to teach you for, what, 14 years now? 
We've not been together Chris- 14 years. You can't huh? count. <laughs> what? We've not been together 14 years. 12 years? Yes. 12 years now? I've already drank a lot of sake. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> our, our daughter's been on this earth for four years, and she already knows more than you. Um, I'm not so sure that's true. Yeah, I'll have to quiz her next time. Okay. Anyway, so we totally like changed plans because A, Chrissy's not really down for football, and B, our entire world is crumbling before our eyes. So <laughs> we're like, I was like, I've got a great idea. I've got just the two movies to watch. Actually, I kind of can't believe that we didn't watch 1984, all things considered. 1984? The, the comedy? The movie? Huh? The movie? The Steven Spielberg film? It, what? What are you talking about? Based on the George Orwell book? Well, the two movies we watched are pretty pretty good, Chrissy. Like, oh, they I'm work. Not, I'm not saying they're not, but it just occurred to me that that would have been perfect. We should have watched Requiem for a Dream again. No, let's not. <laughs> um, so, the two movies I chose were um, 1976's Sidney Lumet classic network which i'd never even heard of and uh 1989's weird al yankovic classic uhf which i have heard of congratulations and now you've seen both yes yes point of semantics again is it weird al yankovic or weird al yankovic i thought it was yankovic yankovic did i say yankovic yeah my bad guys my bad (laughs) i was just asking pronunciation police Wanted to make sure I said it right on ye old podcast. Okay. okay. So let's get started with 1976's Network. Network. Ladies and gentlemen, the Network News Hour with Howard Beale. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change. How many stations does this go out? You've got to get mad. You've got to say. Network by Patty Chayefsky. Directed by Sidney Lumet. Produced by Howard Gottfried. Television will never be the same. So, Network. Don't you roll your eyes at me. Don't put your hand up at me. Huh? Don't put your hand up at me. I'm about to fight you with this bottle of sake. Well, you can't beat me. That's domestic violence. No, I'm just going to drink a lot of it, and then I'm going to pass out, and then you're going to be forced to take care of me as I puke all over myself in the bathroom. Don't do that again. (laughs) You remember that time? Dot, dot, dot. I drank a whole bottle of sake during a a podcast, and it got really sad towards the end. It went went from fun to sloppy (laughs) real fast, guys. (laughs) Most people would have just edited all that out. Nope, not us. Nope. It was like 20 minutes of the podcast. I'm like, let it in. We are hashtag profesh. So, Chrissy, tell me about uh, Network. Well, before you do, before I get your your overall review, let me give you the IMDb log line. Um, before we talk about either of these two movies, you should go, if you're listening to this and haven't seen either of these two movies, mm-hmm. go watch them. Especially Network. Yeah. Um, we'll get to UHF in a second. But both of them have some some really, um, I don't know. Ahead of their time? Eerily foreshadowing for our times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Network's IMB logline says, A television network cynically exploits a deranged former anchor's ravings and revelations about the news media for its own profit. Got 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. 
might might be one of our highest. Um, this was acclaimed, Chrissy. I know. That was another thing. Chrissy was like, when are we going to watch some good movies? Yes. So, uh, like I said, directed by Sidney Lumet, who did uh, 12 Angry Men, Serbico, Dog Day Afternoon, The Wiz of All Things, um, written by Patty Chayefsky, who is an amazing playwright, did some great movies as well, like The Hospital, which you've probably never seen. Nope. I'm not going <laughs> to list them all. Um, so what did you think of Network, Chrissy? So first of all, I want to backpedal one step back While I take that, another shot of sake. By all means. Uh, when you presented me with the list of potential, nice drooling, by the way, he just like sake drooled all over himself. That ooh, <laughs> that came real close, but no cigar to your mouth. I got it. Good for you. Uh, so when we decided that football was probably not our best play, haha, pun intended, Justin gave me a list of movies of uh, potential double features and asked me, so what do you think might be the best one? Very quickly, I surreptitiously started Googling all the movies and I keep seeing IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes ratings that are like somewhere in like the 60s or 6 out of 10. And I'm like, this sucks. I'm sick of not watching good movies. I want to see a good movie, damn it. And then finally, Network. And I saw what you just said about the Rotten Tomatoes rating. And and honestly, that's kind of what sold me. I was like, that one. And you know what? Rotten Tomatoes didn't let me down. It was an excellent movie. And it was so nice to listen to the actors read the script above a ninth grade reading level. I mentioned that to you last night we were watching it. I was like, big words. This feels like Aaron Sorkin before Aaron Sorkin became who he is. Speaking of, I was about to say, Aaron Sorkin wrote at one time that there is, quote, no predictor of the future, not even Orwell, that has ever been as right as Chayefsky was when he wrote Network. So then maybe that explains because it's such a classic and so masterfully done why they haven't redone it. But well, they don't even have to. I know they don't. Like you, could, like basically, you could change like two percent of the script, get whole new actors and stuff, just do the same script pretty much, and it would be great. It'd I know. Be fine. I know. <laughs> but the, in my head, that's what I was thinking. I was like, so when are we going to get the reboot with actual Sorkin doing this? No, don't. I mean, it's really good. But but we'll just enjoy you. Chrissy, I can't. No, I'm not saying it needs to be rebooted. This is how good Network is. And like I said, if you've listened to the podcast, you'll understand what I'm about to say is Chrissy did not fall asleep nope. during this whole movie, nope. which is just over two hours long. And we watched it in one night. Yep. I get a little bit drowsy at one point. And remember, you kind of asked me, you were like, are you getting sleepy? And I was like, no, no. And I fought it because I, I liked it and I wanted to stay awake. So this was... I fought through the sleepiness. I, I got back up and I was like, I'm going to stay awake. I'm going to rally because this is a good movie. And that's the difference. If we watched a ton of good movies, I would stay awake much more often. What's the fun of that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Who would Twitter harangue? So so like I said, when we started, um, I was uh, the reason I picked these two movies or put these two movies out there is because I knew that they're both both kind of topical with what has been going on recently in the last couple of years. So we'll talk about, like I said, we'll talk about the second. So network. Yes. I haven't seen this movie probably since college. This movie is like 20 times more frightening than it was when I saw it. Then. <laughs> like this, this movie is like a straight up horror film. Um, obviously I, uh, work in television. Um, 
it's it's crazy that I I love this movie back then, and now I do work in television, and this movie's about how uh, you know TV news is basically going to be the downfall of us all. Um, what's that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No. No, I'm letting you continue. Oh, the downfall of us all. Yeah. Um, and that, um, you know, the fact that news and TV will do anything for a good rating, including, you know, suicides, murders, you know, stuff like that. Overall else, including... Okay, go ahead. I don't know that news is the death of us all. I think that the line being blurred between news and like reality TV might be the death of us all, which no, this walked a fine line. This movie's on that. about how, uh, you know, news became, you know, a it became reality TV before there was reality TV. Exactly. Yes. That's what I mean. But I wouldn't necessarily argue that because I think you're parlaying that into actual like news as we now know it might be the death of us all. Is that what you're saying? Well, you don't see a fine line between what happened in the network to what's happening now and what we're going through now. Extrapolate on that theory. And I'll tell you whether I agree or not. Um, basically, uh, instead of giving the actual news, it's like a, like a circus, you know, of alternative with five, facts? Ring, five ring circus with <laughs> hashtag alternative facts. And um, dude, if you've never seen Faye Dunaway in a movie, Number one, what is wrong with you? But number two, <laughs> Faye Dunaway in Network is straight up crazy scary. Like she's a beautiful, hot woman who is basically like the devil um, on earth in terms of she will do anything, anything to um, get some eyeballs on, on on her, whatever she's working on. So, so I want to wait, wait let, go back one step because you, you're talking about two different things here. So what we're in now is, uh, I mean, we're just watching. So we live in L.A. Yes. Obviously, did not grow up here in L.A. I did. Um, you know, but back when I was a kid and watched the news, you actually saw some news. Um, and you didn't see um, half the newscast was either weather or like the latest viral video or who died or a, um, a car chase, mm-hmm. or, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, basically. True. Okay, so so my lens is somewhat colored here, because, number one, I did grow up out here. Yes. Um, and, and number two, I... Well, like you, I was a broadcast journalism major in college, and... We're part of the problem, Chrissy. Maybe I am, so maybe that's why I feel apt to defend it slightly. Well, I'm uh, part of the problem, too. Yes, you are, because, again... You got out. Here. I'm still in. Well, you know. You keep sucking me back in. No, but, but you're in a, a different familiar uh that being said i wouldn't necessarily that say that it's just about you know like what you said what you know what bleeds leads and i understand that phrase but i don't think that that's necessarily the case but you do have to prioritize if you are a you know producer of a newscast what is the most timely what is the most sensitive topic and then you know go from there yes unfortunately there's a lot of fluff news now viral video and look at this funny cat and you know stupid shit but i don't necessarily think that the downfall of our society uh, it from a media perspective comes from the news division. I would argue much more strongly that it comes from reality TV. That it comes from what's the uh, same? What's the same concept? The alternative facts bullshit it's that the same are real concept. facts. New, you know, like I said, basically everyone looked at what uh, Faye Dunaway's character in this movie did, 
and said, let's do that yeah, for the, oh, all became of the television. Blueprint. It became the blueprint, 100%. I you absolutely know? agree. And now we're in a situation where we've got um, just alternative facts and misinformation everywhere, and no one knows what to believe. And Yes, but that's not news's get, fault. Huh? That's not news's fault. It's not. Those. That's the fault of the people, some would argue, that are in positions of power right now. Some would argue it's somebody else. Stirring the pot and trying to turn facts into non-facts and try to turn their own version of facts, which are not facts, into facts. They're the ones who I think are muddying things more as as opposed to the news uh, crew and news I think they're themselves. all complacent. All Do you? Of, yes. Yes. No? Maybe, maybe this is my, again, my own... Um, I mean, anyone, unless this is your first time listening, you probably have kind of gathered that Chrissy and I are a little on the progressive end of things in politics. We are? So, and, um, you know, we live in Hollywood, so we're those... I'll drink sake ...libertards that. that everyone talks so lovingly of. But I grew up in, you know, a red state, a southern red state... Purple. Podunk, not podunk, you know, but in the sticks, basically. Mm -hmm. So I came from that. So I grew up around some of those people who, you know, they don't watch or read the news. Or if they watch the news, it's a certain network that shall not be named who... Um, horcruxes. It has horcruxes. Horcruxes, exactly. <laughs> don't watch them. So I don't know, man. I guess just what's going on. It's just really disheartening um, slash, uh, I don't know, man. It's it's going like just the past couple weeks. It's like I, like two weeks ago, I was Obama and, you know, <laughs> eight years ago. And now I'm like gray haired Obama. Like everything is going so fast. And so it can't, I can't believe it's been a week. I really can't. Uh, that being said, and we're two, we're, you know, two married people with full time jobs who are trying to raise two kids and like our plays full. And now we have to figure out how to, you know, fight Nazis from taking over our country. It's just a lot to take in. So, so. I will agree. I'll throw you a bone here because I see where you're coming from. You're acting like I'm attacking the news. I'm just saying news is a big part of the problem. There's several other parts of the problem, but since the you know network well, is about news in general. Here, well, well, hold on. I'm going to throw you a bone. I think that maybe if we're looking at this longitudinally, yes, news has been at times complicit and a part of the problem. I think. However, with, and I'm just going to say it, with this administration that now is in the White House, I would no longer say that mainstream news, and I'm talking NPR, Washington Post, New York Times, all that the middle of the road, non-biased in either direction, regular news media, I would not call them complicit in the circus that's happening. Instead, I feel like their backs are in fact against the wall, and it's up to us as citizens to back the free press and to not wag a finger in their face and say, you are complicit in the circus. Instead, we have to support them because they are in trouble. Okay. But you're, it sounds like you're lumping all mainstream news into the same pot where I'm saying you got to pick and choose to know which ones are doing, you know, oh, yes, our the, best interests. No, I agree on both sides. I mean, in this there movie are... network, the, the whole thing starts is because the, 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 the main network they're talking about 
starts out as like an independent from the actual network right. and the under the guise of okay, we need ratings and ratings and all that stuff. It's to UBS, keep going. but that's like the equivalent of and then UPN. all of a sudden they're like, oh, you know, you're we're folding into the network now. You've got to pull pull your weight in terms of ratings, right? Or you or know, you'll fold or you fold, right? So um, that's what happens, and they fire or or try say they're going to fire their main news guy who's been there forever, you know, doing his best. And he kind of turns and, you know, that's the whole right crux of the movie. So. Exactly. And then, Howard Beale, the famous Howard Beale. The crazy One of my man. favorite characters in all film. Really? Peter Finch, man. He's so good as Howard Beale. He is very good. R.I.P. He actually died from when they filmed this. He Before won an movies? Oscar, won it posthumously, just like, uh, you know, Aww. whatchamacallit, Heath Ledger. Oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, this is this movie is just like not only is the screenplay from Chayefsky, but like everyone is good in it. Like, no one talks everyone, Faye Dunaway top, in my Faye, opinion. Faye Dunaway. We just talked about Peter Finch, um, William Holden as uh, Schumacher. The, yeah. The you know. Can we talk about Faye for a second? Let's talk about Faye. I want to talk about Faye. Oh man! So ooh la la! I am a fan of Faye, frankly, because of Mommy Dearest. Oh yeah. Strangely, Mommy Dearest. Mommy Dearest. Bonnie and Clyde. I I I saw Bonnie and Clyde in college, but I don't remember it very well. But uh, but Faye Dunaway in Mommy Dearest remains one of my favorite performances ever, and it's probably in my top twenty favorite movies of all time. Great movie. Cool. I love that movie. But people always, you know, obviously, um, I don't want to say lambast her, but maybe criticize her her general performances as being campy and almost like a chip off the old actress block of the 40s where everything is slightly exaggerated to a point where it's... It well, straddles, Mommy Dearest, yes. Well, yes. No, well, wait. But in general, I'm getting there. It straddles the line of believability. Uh, and that being said, there were a few times she straddled that line in this movie too. However... In the second act onward, when you really saw the rabbit hole of how crazy she was and how far she was willing to go, mm-hmm. I didn't even care that earlier I thought, oh, I think she might be overacting a little bit because it's like, no, 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 no. That's just this character. Like, this character is batshit crazy. She's not overacting. Like, she's just passionate about what she has to say at all times. So it's it's not just even giving her a pass. Like, it made sense. She did a great job. She won a she won an Oscar as well. Did she? Yep. Cool. So Finch won an Oscar. She won an Oscar. Um, the the woman that played Schumacher's wife. She was uh, pretty good. One basically won an Oscar for that one scene of when he goes and says, you know, by the way, I'm cheating on you, and you. That's like I think it's like the second time we see her in the film, and you're like, oh, this is going to be just like a cut and dry, like she's really sad, but she like blows up at him, and she it's does. like a tour de force, like five she, minute scene of just like. But she doesn't blow up at him in your typical like. Now I have my monologue, and now I'm going to use it as a chance to shout at the other actor. Mm-hmm. There, it, there was something incredible about how she was so teeming with anger, and yet was able very adeptly and swiftly, might I add, uh, to kind of turn it very quickly. Like she's angry, and then a second later, she's imploring and like heartsick, and and yet she you could she still wants him, and I'm like, oh my god. Beatrice Strait was the actress who played that role. Uh, so her performance as Louise Schumacher uh, occupi- occupied only five minutes and two seconds of screen time, making it the shortest performance to win an Oscar. Um, wow. As of, it says 2014 here, but that's pretty amazing. That's pretty crazy. 
Um, Robert Duvall in it too. So, um, but let's talk about the main reason everyone knows this movie is the infamous um, "I'm ang- mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore" scene. <laughs> had you? Did you know about that scene, or had you heard about it before you saw this movie? No, I mean I've heard people say like "I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore," but I had no idea that it was coming from a movie and that it was a quote. So, what did you think of that that whole scene? So that that scene comes up um, kind of midway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Peter Finch or Howard Bill has at that point he was almost fired. Right. They kind of changed the show around to him. He was about to be fired. I can't remember now. Fired for like a second. Oh, that's it. So he was almost fired. Right. They started the thing of okay, we're gonna give him more of this p- platform as like this prophet of the airways. Well, he was fired, and then he said he was gonna commit suicide. Exactly. And then they were like. Oh, well, what's he going to say next? Let's let him say farewell. And then his farewell turned into a big fuck you. And then after that was when they were like, well, maybe we give him some sort of platform and let him be the angry prophet of the airwaves. Go on, Justin. And then, and so they do that for a while and like Faye Dunaway's in charge. And then the ratings kind of start to go back down. Well, she's not in charge yet. She She becomes in charge after having dinner with Max and they have that whole like emotional chemistry. And then she's like, you need to let me program this for you. And then that's when they turn it into the Howard Beale show. Yeah, but this that that moment happened before, right? Before it became like the, you know, like the five ring the actual five ring circus like Yes. We have this woman who can you know, what, what was her name? The Oh, the um uh, Sybil, the Sibylance person. The but what did they call her? Sybil Sybil the Sybil, I don't know. I remember her though. <laughs> she can see the future. Then there's the one with the like the skeletons in the closet. <laughs> exactly. See, I remember. It's pink. Anyway. <laughs> um so yeah, the mad as hell and uh, Yeah, I'm not gonna date anymore. Mm-hmm. Um I mean I'm not sure what you're asking me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. I start off by saying, uh, had you heard about that scene before? And you're like, oh, I've heard of the phrase, but I didn't know it come from a movie. Yes. And I was like, how? What did you think of it? Oh, what did I think about it? Um, it, I was torn. On one hand, I'm like, yeah. And I, you know, I'm sitting there like powering my uh, my fist up in the air, like, boom, boom. Yeah, powering people. And on the other <laughs> like hand. The Jersey Shore. <laughs> basically. And I'm like, you know, GTL. And then on the other hand, I'm like, this man might actually be crazy and might be being exploited to his own detriment at this point not so sure if i should still be on board with this that was actually that you're saying it kind of a tipping point <laughs> of realization uh, obviously max realized it because several scenes later he's like he needs help i'm gonna fire him he needs to go to treatment and they're like absolutely not you cannot send him to treatment he is a runaway train and he's let's amazing. keep let's keep this man who very might have a mental illness yeah. on tv would be the first time as much as possible for it was the first time actually as soon as they said that i'm like actually i think it was the first time that was the whole point um so yeah that's super scary and uh can we think of anybody else like in in real life who we might be able to say that this was a similar situation to or, or crazy people who were not taken off the air we all full well knew they were batshit um, I mean, I think of like, uh, it from the white hair guy from Fox news. What's his name? Glenn Beck. Glenn, Bl- Glenn, Glenn Beck. Who has know? his own, um, radio show, obviously. Um, 
but recently made inroads with Samantha B. So how crazy can he be? Yeah, but then he turned back. Like he, he's he's full of shit. Fuck him. I agree. But I'm, what do you mean he turned back? Because I followed his page for like a day after that. <laughs> yeah, but you saw that and you're like, oh, is Glenn Beck like an actual like human being instead of like a, a, a you know, gelatinous, you know, underground troll monster? You know, mm-hmm. does he have a soul? But I, I saw him recently. He he said something about something. I'm like, oh, he was just, you know, I wonder the same artist. thing about Piers Morgan. <laughs> oh, he's full of shit, too. I know. Um no, I mean this. Uh, the uh, part of the inspiration for this this whole film and the script from uh, Patty Chasky came from um, Christine Chubbuck, uh, who was the uh, the television news reporter who co- she actually committed suicide on air. Uh, she was a uh, reporter down oh in God. Sarasota, Florida. Um, but she was like suffering. That's where from, I'm going, by the way. She was suffering. Really? Well, I'm going to Tampa area, but yeah, it's right, right there. She was like suffering from depression. And she was having fights with her bosses, and she. This is like back in 19, 1974. Wow. Yeah, she she shot herself on camera. Um, is that why we have the five second delay for live? Um, I feel like I learned this in journalism one but I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know if that's directly related, but gosh. But yeah, I guess he kind of that was like the the jumping off point for this script and the fact that he was like, you know, television would do anything for a rating, like anything at all. I mean, that's true. And that was like I said, this movie came out in nineteen seventy six. So thirty one years. Nothing's changed. Things have only gotten worse. Mm-hmm. If the news isn't there, you manufacture it. Yeah. Anyway. What else? Any other certain scenes or anything that yes. uh, stick out? The scene where, uh, well, it's, it, he, he, Max is basically about to leave Faye Dunaway. And um, he gives a very good monologue to her about uh, how he is an older man. And he doesn't say a broken man, but he's basically implying as much. And that he just needs her to love him. And, she's, and he goes on to say, but you can't do that. And you are the void. You are exactly what this, you know, insane realm of TV that you constantly, you know, wax introspective on. That is you. You have no soul. You will die alone. And I am not going to be taken down with you. Oh, my God. And then he drops the mic and he walks off. That is like, can I just say, as somebody who did theater for a million years, like that is an actor's wet dream of a monologue. I just heard actually, or just read that um, they're doing, uh, they're they're mounting a, a stage version of this now with <gasps> uh, uh, your uh, Cranston. Shut your C- face, Cranston. Oh, he'd be so good. Cranston is Schumacher. I'm like, yes. Or no, wait. Or is he Finch? He'd be better as Schumacher. But he'd be either good way, Finch too. you know, I, I know you love Cranston. I, I love do. Cranston. He's amazing. I remember that I time, the I remember that time you came by, you came home and you're like, so guess what I hang out today? Grand Chris. And I'm like, shut your mouth. Yeah. I have to give credit where it's too. Because Justin like knew so much more about him than I did. I was like, Malcolm in the middle, right? Just kidding. Um, but I got to spend uh, close to an hour with him once and j- just kind of talking and down to earth, witty as fuck, very quick, very smart. Ugh. humble, easy to talk to and get along with. Like I could have talked to him for hours. He was great. Disappointed. 
disappointed. <laughs> Thanks, Hercules. I love him. <laughs> I love him. So yeah, I was good like, reasons to love him. I was like, oh man, I would love to see that. Love to see that. So um, Roger Ebert called this movie a supremely well-acted, intelligent film that tries for too much, that attacks not only television, but also most of the other ills of the 1970s. Though, what it does accomplish is done so well, is seen so sharply, is presented so unforgivingly that Network will outlive a lot of tidier movies. Yes. This movie lost. It was nominated for Academy Award for Best Picture. Lost to Rocky. Don't know if you knew that. Oh, that's a bummer. You're like robbed, robbed. Um, Also, the favorite movie of one of my favorite directors, Paul Thomas Anderson of Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love fame. And watching this back, there's a couple, especially um, the like awards type shows. You remember where she wins the award? Yes. Like it's it's like three fourths of the way where it's like okay, things are going downhill. Like this is gonna. Something's going to go wrong. Totally. I was like, oh, this is something totally out of Boogie Nights when uh, Marky Mark's character starts winning awards. Let me ask you this. What's up? Um, did you have any thoughts while watching this or perhaps even talking about it now of another movie that we saw a couple of years ago? Uh, what's it called? Um, oh, gosh. Night something. It's with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. Nightcrawler. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, dude, I think there's one scene that is totally they totally lifted for Nightcrawler is when... Um, when she starts, when she, when she realizes, so when uh, Faye Dunaway's character realizes that Peter Finch is like the guy, like the guy that she kind of wants to build this uh, five ring circus of a show around, and she takes Schumacher out for dinner. And it's like, you remember, he's like, oh, you know, I don't sleep on the first date. And they yes. go out for dinner and they start talking about the stuff and like her plans and what she wants to do. And I thought of that scene with um, Rene Russo and Jake Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. which, God, guys, if you've never seen Nightcrawler, oh, this would be an excellent double feature. Movie. Network and Nightcrawler would be a, oh, an amazing double feature. Sorry, UHF. But that would be a fantastic <laughs> double feature. Just putting that out there. I had to balance. I had to balance like the utter soul crushingness, sadness, uh, you know, of network. Um, I wasn't sad. I was when it was over. I was smiling. I was like, "That was good. Thank you. This was good. Yes." No, but don't. Weren't you like, "Oh man, like this is, this is like they said this was satire at the time, but this is real life now. Like we're we're living through this, and you know." I was more shocked than anything. And then I was shocked by my own. It was like a, you know, um, was it like a, come on, where are you? You have a mirror and you can see your reflection through the reflection through the reflection. Like, <gasps> like Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass? A little bit. Like, so I was shocked by the ending, which we should discuss real quick. Mm-hmm. And then I was shocked by my own shock of the ending. So, because I was like, why are you shocked? I bet you this is actually not all that crazy now which i can't believe i would even say we're talking about a capital offense so spoiler alert uh as uh, howard gets crazier and uh eventually is taken under the wing of a big network i actually can't even call him network he's like the corporate big wig of the corporation that owns the network so it's like let me do the, the math for you. it's like if cbs is owned by viacom and viacom is owned by procter and gamble Mm-hmm. Let's just say it's not, but it, if it were, um, this is like the the head honcho of Procter and Gamble 
talking down to Howard Beale. So that's the layers. And, uh, you know, basically talks about how it's not what you think anymore. This isn't a democracy. This is, it's the United States, China, Europe, any country is, it's, it's corporations. It's like six corporations running the planet, which he's absolutely right, by the way. Yes. Oh my God. It was an, that was the scariest, talk about monologues. That was the scariest fucking monologue I've heard in a really long time. Oh yeah. Holy shit. I know. I was oh like, my god! I was like pillowing my pants a little bit. I, was like, I know. Oh. I was like, oh no! And, he, and just, uh, by the way, when you first see him walking into the room, he looks like an unassuming Teddy Roosevelt. And who, who are you talking about again? The the guy who's the head of the co- corporation. I can't remember his name right now. Um, but when he first walks in, he's like, "I was a salesman once." Ned, now, are you talking about Ned Betty's character? Yeah. That guy? Yeah. He's like, and now I'm going to right. sell you. And then he, you know, flies off the handle. But when he first walks down the hall, trailed by his sycophants, I'm like. Oh, he seems pretty unassuming like Teddy Roosevelt. This will be interesting. And then, oh my God, he just like, when I say rips your heart out, I don't mean like an emotional sense. I mean like Satan reaches through your chest and rips your heart out and holds the bleeding flesh in his own hands and shows it to you and says, I own you. It's like that. And then later on, so when they decide finally that like, okay, now he's become a puppet of this guy and the ratings are going down. We can't fire him because this guy doesn't want us to fire him. So I guess we should kill him. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm like, <laughs> so wait, is it like I'm listening to him talk about it in the in the room. And I'm like, is this like a real conversation? Are they like, are they serious? Are they talking about it? But it's not going to happen. And then sure enough, they actually kill him a scene later. And that's the part where I was like, holy shit, I can't, be- I can't believe they did it. I wanted an epilogue. I really wanted an epilogue. But I didn't get one. Speaking of weird, weird things, um, according to Lamette, uh, the director, the Mad as Hell speech was filmed in one and a half takes. Wow. So midway through the second take, Peter Finch abruptly stopped in exhaustion. Lumet was aware of Finch's failing heart, talking about sad at the time, but in any case did not ask for a third take. So what's in the completed film is the second take for the first half of the speech and the second half from the first take. Wow. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, the only music heard in network comes from commercials and television show themes. So no score, anything. That's crazy. You're right. It is crazy. A lot of phones ringing in the background. That kind of makes up for the score. Um, throughout the entire movie, we we never actually hear or see Diana, which is Faye Dunaway's character, speak to Howard Bill at all. Oh, you're right. She's the puppet master. Real quick, I know you're reading IMDb stuff, but can you imagine? Don't you love it that she's like her character is like a female in this movie? Yes, like nine nine ninety nine percent out of one hundred, you know, times it would be a guy, but in this she, movie, well, it's her. It's Faye Dunaway, and she's like a, a gigantic ball buster and well, like knows what she wants. If I may, I think the the few women who, especially back then, rose to those positions were it was specifically because. They were ball busters, and and it was uh, that was a part of their calling card, and that's how they arose to those positions. I won't ever say who, but she actually does remind me slightly of somebody who, with whom I worked w- when I was in TV briefly. And I, I, I now that I've seen this movie, I'm like, I wonder if they've seen this. <laughs> Director, we're, we're in IMDb right now. Director Lumet said that he shot the film using a specific lighting scheme. He said in the film's opening scenes, he shot it with as little light as possible shooting the film almost like a documentary. And as the film progressed, he added more light and more camera moves. And by the end of the film, it was as brightly lit and slick as he could make it. Yikes. Wow. 
Okay, we've run too long. I've drank too much. Boo. Let me have another one. Wait. Wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. Wait, 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 wait. This is going to end poorly. Wait, wait. Well, at least that one didn't end up on your shirt. So that's plus. I'm getting better. I'm getting better at the sake. You are for now until like, you know, two hours from now and then you will not. You will I'm not be ahead. I'm drinking the whole bottle, Chris. Um, we're three quarters of the way done with the bottle. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd point that out there. Yeehaw, guys. Oh, Jesus. Dude, I know people are at home and they're like, man... We're living in stressful times now. I suggest everyone have some sake. You know, it makes everything okay. Uh, yeah, but I think that also the caveat to that is maybe you should eat dinner. So, you know, just a thought. Don't force me to eat. Chrissy, what would be your final grade for network? A. I mean, is it even up for debate? I agree. A. Everyone should watch this movie no matter what age you are. If you're listening to this and you're like four years old and you're like, Brooklyn, that sounds watch boring. this movie. Brooklyn, watch this movie. We're gonna sit you down. I know you have a hard time just watching a thirty, you know, minute long cartoon, but this is important. She's ahead of her time. This movie is important. I, I will say though, don't watch this movie if you're like looking for a lighthearted comedy. If you're looking for a La La Land to like take you away, Calgon, take me away from what's happening in the world. This is not Cowboy your movie right now. <laughs> but if you're looking for something to complement the shit show that's happening right before our very eyes, then yes, this is the correct movie to see. This movie has been preserved by the U.S. National Film Registry. Um, it was inducted to, uh, wait, it was voted, whoa, script, one of the 10 greatest screenplays of all time by, uh, writers, two of the writers guilds of America. Wow. Um, yeah, great movie. So we move on from network. Yes. To a very closely related film that is not talked about enough, in my opinion, and that is... 1989's UHF. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Guns don't kill people. I do. Channel 62 has the lowest ratings in the history of television. What they need is a new station manager. No, not him. Forget it. No way. A man of action. Ah! A man of courage. A man of vision. What's your name? Billy. Billy what? What they get is a man so desperate, he'll put anyone on the air. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, George? How would you like your own TV show? Okay. You get the drink from the fire hose! Okay, you ready? Yeah! Open wide! He's Conan, the librarian. Today, we're teaching poodles how to fly. We beat up the networks. George Newman, he starts where the others stop. We're the number one station in town. Ah! Orion Pictures presents Weird Al Yankovic in UHF, the movie. Wait for it, Chrissy. I'm waiting. Wait for it. I'm waiting. Wait for it. Oh, boy. So, Chrissy, <laughs> can you talk about it with a straight face? UHF, released in 1989, IMDb logline is, a local public station gets a new owner, the station becomes a hit with all sorts of hilarious sight gags and wacky humor, 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> 
Which I, it's like, I'm sure it's one of those where like 10 people, you know, or actually gave reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, budget of $5 million. It made uh, $6.1 million uh, at the box office. So 6.1, you said? <laughs> A $5 million budget. Yeah. Wow. Um, before I get to my views on UHF, Chrissy. Yes. What did you think about UHF starring Weird Al Yankovic? Well, <laughs> I knew. Okay. Wait, wait. While you're doing that, I'm going to take another shot. Okay, wait. Hold on. You, you poured me too much, so let me pour a little bit into you, and then there we're even. Okay, you ready? Go ahead. So, it's a good thing that I knew that it was a weird Al Yankovic uh, vehicle, for lack of a better term, because it set the bar at a certain level. Not too high. Not too low, kind of zany fun that you know that Weird Al is, is known for. Are you saying this isn't network? Uh, no. Maybe. It concerns a network. I mean, it does. That's true. So because I knew going in kind of the, what I was signing up for, it was fine. Um, if you had told me like, Chrissy, this is one of my favorite movies like sometimes you do and like i really love this movie. i've just stopped saying things like that like it never gets me anywhere um so even if it is my favorite movie i'm not gonna tell you ahead of time because <laughs> okay. i don't i don't want to color your lens well as you say well do you know do you know what tipped you off on this one justin what you own it oh i do own it you own it yeah there was no like no shame this one no shame you own it so no shame you know, i digress it's the DVD, not the Blu-ray. Uh, well, I don't know if that I'm glad you draw the line somewhere. Wait, <laughs> is was, this even available on Blu-ray? There was a 25th anniversary edition with like extra shit, and Get I'm sure. Get the fuck out! Seriously? Yeah, of of UHF. That's amazing. But you know, we don't own that many Blu-rays. So. Nope. Okay, so is it incredibly disjointed? Yes. Is it not? Terribly well acted, minus maybe Michael Richards. Yes. Is it just like fun and something that you remember as being fun, but not something that stays with you and that you go, wow, that was that, that was a movie. Yes. <laughs> wow, that was a movie? Yeah, like, yeah, like, oh yeah, I remember I saw UHF. Like, yeah, I remember that. It was fun. Like that, that kind of synopsizes the whole thing. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I appreciated the little vignettes and the um, parodies for what they were. I thought those were probably the funniest parts of the whole thing, to be honest with you. Um, beyond like the comedy aspect, it does have heart. And I do appreciate movies that when they are disjointed and are kind of really just going for the laugh wherever they can find it, I do appreciate it when a movie does have heart at its core. And so it did. And And... Therefore, I was much more on board than maybe I thought I was going to be when it very first started rolling. And like 15 minutes in, I was like, okay, is it just going to be like shtick after shtick? Uh, so, but it, it did. It had some heart and I was happy for that. Is it something that I would say you should watch with network? Probably not. Probably not. If you're going to double feature it. Nope. I think that you'd be better <laughs> off with Nightcrawler. But, you know, this was good. I think if you go Ish. network and Nightcrawler, it's a little heavy. It's a little heavy. Oh, they, I don't know. I think heavy. they complement each other so well. But, you know, okay. So UHF, not my favorite movie of all time, but, you know, a very well liked movie. Why do you like it so kid. much? Tell me why. So as a kid, 
so this movie came out in 89, so I was like nine years old. I was a huge Weird Al fan. Of course as a kid. you were. As a kid, I was a huge Weird Al fan. It's witty parodies. If Chrissy knows me. So, number one, it's Weird Al. Any any guy that has weird in his name as a kid, I was like, he's one of me. <laughs> he's one of my folks. He's my people. He's my people. And also, as a kid, I was very into comedy, where like parody comedy, um, musical parodies. Um, so as a kid... If I may, I would say this because you're witty and smart. You have to be witty and smart to enjoy parody. Yeah? Yes. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. That's a compliment. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, but a lot of a lot of your enjoyment of of UHF, I'm sure, relies on how what you think of Weird Al and what you think of his musical parodies he's done um, in the past. But yeah, as a kid, I remember seeing um, Beat It, uh, the, yes. his, his beat uh, called Eat It. I remember for the, the first time the Gangsters Paradise one, the the fat which Farmer's was the, the bad. Huh? Was it Farmer's Paradise? I remember the Amish Paradise. Amish Paradise. I couldn't. I was like, I remember the the visual. So <laughs> I loved all those videos. I was one of those kids that would take my favorite songs and try to make my own Weird Al parodies out of them. So when this movie came out, um, my bro- my little brother and I were obsessed with this movie. And watching it back, like even though I own the movie, I haven't seen it forever. I was watching it with Chrissy and just like laughing because I was like, I was like, okay, that is one of those lines that just kind of entered the lexicon of my childhood life where I would just like parrot it, um, you know, randomly to my friends or something. And of course they didn't understand it. I'm like, dude, UHF, you don't know UHF. Let's be honest. Nothing really. Spatula city, spatula city. That was funny. But, but nothing can, can compete with nostalgia. The nostalgia factor is, is. It, it's like a Q score that you can't even quantify. Like it just is what it is. And no matter what, it's always going to have the nostalgic high score for you. So that's it. You know, like it's just, even if it's not great, like doesn't matter. But to, yeah. So nostalgia has a lot to do with it, but seeing it with a, a fresh eye after so many years, I'm like, okay, like this is largely stupid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's also funny in a lot of places. I agree. I agree. Um, but is it funny for people who, who generally like comedy or is it just funny for us who are nerdy? Like, I think it's, an, it's a nerdy little movie and it, and I like it for that. But I'm wondering if people who wouldn't classify themselves as nerdy or dorky would like this movie. I don't know. I guess if people <clears throat> people watch watch it after or, you know, watch it before or listen to us talk about it. So the, <laughs> so the big thing is, I was watching, I was like, okay, so again, UHF, a largely stupid movie. Um, but this came out in 89 and this basically foreshadowed, uh, reality shows, you know, you watch this movie and it's basically about this guy who, uh, through what happened. I'm covered in sake. Well, that's cause you got like a lip on your shot glass. I basically, I shot it, but like, I, I don't know what happened, but I jerked my head back too far and I basically missed my mouth. You, you made fun of me. That's what happened. That's I know. Your... Karma. So it came... Shot karma. It came down my cheek, down my chin, through my luxurious blonde hair, down my neck, and dribbled into my sweater and bra. It's awesome. I'm going to reek when it on this plane in the morning. But watching this and, and the fact that uh, Weird Al's character basically takes over the struggling you know network and kind of programs it with all these shows 
and you're watching it with like you know Conan the Librarian and this crazy guy who you know throws poodles out the window and all this stuff. And you're like, okay, this is basically like all the reality TV and like TV networks. There's you know we got a thousand networks and lots of room to program them with. So this kind of like foreshadow that it almost makes me feel like this this could have been like comedy central before it became comedy central like back when they were a fledgling little cable network and john stewart was you know not anything but a sprinkle in his father's eye what's what's uh uhf stand for chris ultra high frequency yes good job journalism major so this movie is not only famous for uh being like the main I don't even know if did I don't even know if Weird Al did another. This is pretty much it for Weird Al in terms of movies. <laughs> is, like I said, they his, thought this was going to be a big vehicle. hit. They test screened it. Apparently, it was it got a lot of good uh, test screening reviews. Then they put it out and it kind of bombed. So, oh, bombed? This was huh? a bomb. Like I said, it was the budget was five million and it made six million. I mean, math. I don't know, but this, I guess but this movie's also I famous. It was like a cult favorite for starring a young Michael Richards of Seinfeld fame. So I couldn't believe that was Michael Richards. By the way, as as a character with a great movie name, Stanley Spadowski, <laughs> who, who is a character who basically starts out as a janitor for you know this network station. And soon becomes a TV star, basically of basically. a of a kid's. <laughs> how would you explain that show? I mean, if Pee Wee Herman was secretly a janitor and kind of just actually crazy, as opposed to pretending to be crazy, you would have Stanley whatever Spadowski play- Playhouse. <laughs> um, what? What? I, I mean, I, that's how I would describe it. It's funny, though, because the kids themselves, like, I feel like the adults are the ones who would find... A lot of things, by the way, when, if you don't have kids, let me tell you this. A lot of the best kids shows are written with the adults in mind. Like, if you watch Sesame Street, a lot of it is, you know, a parody uh, to keep the, the adults' attention. So they sit there and watch with their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's kind of funny because... I, what was it? Um, Weird Al's name was, like, Mr. Nutso or something when he was running the show. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not funny, not anything that not only did not keep the kids' attention, but it wouldn't keep the adults' attention. But Michael Richards, on the other hand, I think it was funny to a point where adults were more interested in the humor even than the kids. And so that's probably a big reason why he was, supposedly anyway, such an overnight success. Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse. That's what it was. What are you doing? Nothing. Get off your phone. I'm not on it. It's on the floor. Couch. <laughs> um, Chrissy's favorite part about UHF was uh, the inclusion of her favorite actress of all time, <sighs> Victoria Jackson. I hate you. I hate you for suggesting that. <laughs> I actually hate you. That's grounds for divorce. I'm just putting it out there. Talking about crazy people. I cannot. She's nuts. She was in this movie before she, I guess, went full nutso. No? She. Well, I think that she was always a little nutso. She hit it? Yes. Or that it, maybe she just wasn't big time enough for it to be brought to the surface. You know, like you scratch. I think she's just one of those people where it's like it's like um, one of those uh, coins where it's like covered in gold, gold foil and you scratch the surface underneath and then you see like, oh, wait, maybe there's something in the inside. What's in there? And then you find out it's shit. Um, for most people, it's chocolate. But for her, it's just shit. So I think she's a scratch the surface and you find some shit. Gross. Well. Clearly, I'm not a fan. 
<laughs> I hope she never listens to this podcast. You be uh, you you find it funny to know that Roger Ebert wrote about this movie. Um, he talked about <laughs> Weird Al's lack of screen presence, creating a quote dispirited vacuum at the center of many scenes. He gave it one out of four stars. What? And uh, Siskel said, quote, never has a comedy tried so hard and failed so often to be funny. He gave it no stars. (gasps) Haters. 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 But the the poor critical response to this movie was so bad that, like, I guess Weird Al kind of was in a slump for three years after that uh, before he eventually, um, uh, he did the... The parody of the Nirvana song. Right. The smells like, he called it smells like Nirvana. Yeah, I remember that one. That's one of his probably most popular ones, right? Yeah, I don't remember the lyrics, but I do remember it happening. (laughs) I'm really good at this. Um, But yeah, uh, like I said, as a kid, I love this movie. I love all the like commercial parodies and stuff like. I keep saying Spatula City, but... I know you do. <laughs> what was the other City? one that was really good? Um, oh, come on, Chrissy. Get it together. I got a question for you, Chris. Oh, sure. So if you were in the same situation, like I said, his character basically inherits. He gets fired from his job. Yeah. He's looking for a job. He's got a rich or kind of rich uncle that bequeaths him this this struggling station. station. And so Weird Al has to program this network. If you were given the same... Uh, thing now. Like somebody's like, oh, you have this network. Program it with whatever you want. Reruns, new shows. What what would you do? Is there certain things that you would do? Well, I mean, now my lens is colored from seeing network. There's the lens coloring a thing. Well, it is because I've seen network <laughs> and there's a part of me that wants to like fade down away the shit out of it. <laughs> but Chrissy. What? Your, your soul is not as black. As as her characters in that movie, it's gray. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> Jesus Christ! You're like uh, Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler, like <laughs> ambulance chasing with your your uh, camcorder or whatever. You're... No, not quite. I mean, come I'm... on. I I would think that Chrissy, knowing you, yes, you'd have some Buffy reruns. Sure, you'd have some Full House reruns. Probably not. No? No, I don't think so. Okay, what? Come on. Um, I think you were on, on on the right track with maybe some Buffy reruns. I would probably have uh, both a news show and a news magazine show and then a late night talk show in the vein of Sam All starring e. Chrissy. No. No. In the vein of... Uh, I probably wouldn't be on any of them. <laughs> Chrissy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Well, I mean... Late night Chrissy. That one makes sense. But uh, in the vein of like uh, Sam B, Daily Show back when it was Jon Stewart, Colbert, that sort of stuff. And I would probably use that. That would be my vehicle for the for the rest. The rest of the shows would kind of be like periphery to that one. But that one would be the one. Um, actually, the more I think about it, I think my network, network would probably look a lot like Comedy Central, except it would be geared slightly more towards women. Okay. All right. I get you. Like maybe some Real Housewives thrown in there, not because I like it, but for that. Oh God, I hate that. But you, you, okay, I figured you are it out. Your mom's daughter. I know, but if but no, for a ratings perspective, again, Faye Dunaway. If um, if Bravo and Comedy Central had a baby, that would be my network. I would, if if you wanted something like that for your network, mm-hmm. 
I would produce my idea for a competition show. Okay. Which would be a crossover between, uh, you know, they have the real world road rules challenge. Yes. I would have the real world road rules, real housewives <laughs> challenge. <laughs> so throw in the real housewives with real world and road rules That'd and have funny. them battle it out. That'd be good. For um, a small amount of money, basically. I give you the green light. Um, another another big thing in this movie is there's a show called The Wheel of Fish, where they basically spin. Yes, it's like Wheel of Fortune, but they spin a wheel of <laughs> different types of fish, like carp. And the uh, the host of the show is um, uh, Weird Al's character's neighbor, who runs a like a karate type shop, um, but is played by the guy. From um, Sixteen Candles, <laughs> the guy, what's his name? I don't know. Getty Watanabe. I can't even remember his name. Anyway, all I know is uh, my my little brother and I were were obsessed with the fact that the character is always <laughs> calling out people for being stupid. He's like, "You're, You're so, so stupid." stupid. Well, stupid. The first time he said it, I was like, "Man." That guy, like he has something to say, and you were like, "Oh, just wait, just wait." <laughs> and then, sure enough, he deserves his own show. Clearly, um, would you like to know, in terms of IMDb, that Weird Al offered Crispin Glover the role of Philo, who was the engineer at the network, um, but Glover only wanted to play the role of Crazy Eddie, the car salesman, who says. I'll club a seal to make a better deal. Oh, I remember that guy. By the way, this we've said this before on the podcast, but every single time you mention Crispin Glover, all I can think of is Donald Glover. And so instantly I'm like, Donald Glover was going to be in this? And then I'm like, nope, not the same person. Oh, man. According to the DV commentary, uh, Francis Ford Coppola visited the set as he was considering using the Oklahoma production facilities to film The Godfather Part 3. Holy shit. He like, walked in. He's like... Looking around, he's like, "What is going on?" He walks back out. He's what like, have I, "What awesome. have I done? <laughs> what have I done?" The first rough cut was two and a half hours long, trimmed, Holy down, shit. trimmed down to ninety minutes. Well done, editors. Could you imagine that? Nope. Okay, so I know Chrissy's tired of talking about UHF. Like I said, I like it a lot. What gave me away? Stupid, funny, funny <laughs> movie. I love Weird Al. But before you give your final grade, there's a scene in this movie. Where Weird Al, the character Weird Al plays, um, makes makes a a snack for himself. Do you remember what that snack is, it Chrissy? Was a, it was a pile of mashed potatoes, and it wasn't even a snack. It was like a meal. Um, and he said, "This means something." He does, and that is an homage to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. But that's not what I'm talking about. So I thought I'd try to change it up a little bit this week, uh, knowing Chrissy likes snacks. And have a mystery snack challenge. Um, so in the movie, uh, and I've got a little dome. Chrissy doesn't know what's uh, she doesn't know what's under this dome. Uh, he makes this thing. It is called the. Uh, I think it's called the uh, Twinkie Wiener Sandwich. Oh my god! Why is this happening? And so it's made of Twinkies and a hot dog. Chrissy's face. Yes, radio audience, look at Chrissy's face. And then he he adds a little bit of 
A little bit of a uh, little cheese. You cheese, bought cheese, cheese Whiz? Cheese Whiz. A little cheese Whiz to the top. So I'm like... You know what? That looks pretty tasty. I bet Chrissy would love to try some of this and maybe do it on the podcast. I literally just shuddered. So, I have goosebumps under my sweater. So Chrissy, this is not a vegan treat. Uh, this is <laughs> this is this is a vegan hot dog though in this Twinkie Wiener sandwich. So I thought we would do a little uh, taste test. Um, hold up. Come on. You just insisted that we drink like three quarters of a bottle of sake without dinner. And now you're expecting me to eat a Twinkie with a hot dog in the middle and cheese whiz on top? Mm. Oh my God. He just did it. He just did it. Mm. Mm. Oh my God. I'm horrified. Go ahead, Chrissy. No, I'm horrified. Chrissy? What? I slaved away. Oh, yeah. For about two minutes. <laughs> This is legitimately horrifying. Come on. A little taste taste. Can I opt for the plate of mashed potatoes into a a volcano? Just do a a lickety lick. (laughs) Full confession, I've never had Cheese Whiz ever. This would be your first time. And I think I've only had Twinkies like twice. Come on. Here, I'll even take a picture. Oh, God. Is this going to go on Twitter? (laughs) I'm not wearing makeup and I'm not a fan. <laughs> Go ahead. So Chrissy is it's it's gets going getting closer. Don't don't hit the mic with it. Come on. Mm-hmm. I'd rather eat the mic. Hurry up. Oh yeah. Oh god, my hair is in it. My hair is in it. Did you even bite into it? Yes, and it was horrible. I spit it out. Where? Look. Oh you are oh my god. A child. Stop. You are a small child. Oh. Never say that Chrissy doesn't like to play along. Now, if I had to grade you, oh my god, a letter grade for how you actually took a bite of that snack, I'd probably give you D minus. Um, first of all, it fell out of the, the 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 hot dog fell out of the Twinkie. You somehow oh. got it all over your hair. Look at me. I don't even have it anywhere. I c- well, congratulations, because you shoved a giant wiener in your face. What does well, that say about you? I like a wiener. I like the wiener. However, like, can I just say <laughs> that whatever I did get in my mouth tasted exactly like handy snacks? Handy snacks? Do you remember handy snacks from the 90s? No, what's handy snacks? Oh, my God. Handy snacks was like these little, um, for lack of a better term, like these little like baguette croutons. <laughs> They got served with um, artificial cheese, and you were—they were put in your lunchbox by your parents who didn't care about you because of the '90s. And you opened them, and then you dipped the crouton baguette into the fake cheese, and you ate it. It's called handy snacks. So, what do you think of the food or the movie? <laughs> the food first. Oh my god! Talk about D minus. D no. minus. Nope, not even. Can't. Also, the hot dog's not hot, so there's that. I'm sorry, Chrissy. I'm not a magician. (laughs) Well, you asked my opinion. Okay, so that's your grade for the Twinkie Wiener sandwich. I need more sake to wash this down. What would be your... I can do that. What would be your grade for the the movie of UHF? C. C? Yeah. That's respectable. I'd probably give a C plus. Give me a half. 
like I said, um, the mileage for it is pretty much whoa. You said a half, Justin, a half. Okay, Not look, drown me in sake. Okay, sorry. Jeez. Okay. Depending on how how what you think of Weird Al, like if you hate Weird Al, probably Who hates Weird probably Al. Probably gonna wait. I mean, different strokes for different folks, I guess. Oh my god. Anyway, so UHF, you're still poking it. If you poke a Twinkie, it like it, it depresses like, in, and then it like sponges back out. It's kind of crazy. Mm, I can't wait to eat the the remaining. Oh my god! You bought a whole box of these, didn't you? <laughs> No. Do not let our kids try this. This is this is tantamount to child abuse. <laughs> Breakfast. Do not do it. Breakfast. I know you will. So, Chrissy, um, not only do we have a, a mystery snack challenge, which you basically failed. Well, you know, um, can't have we're going to try another uh, another new segment this week that hopefully will be okay, and we'll try it later uh, podcast. But we're going to call this segment. Wait for it. A few good questions. Okay, let me ask you a few questions. I'll ask me anything in like, I'll tell you the truth. It's a bullshit question. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. Well, if you just answer the question. Why don't you just answer the question? Be honest. No big deal. Yeah, answer it. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Okay, so we've got... a. We, we we put the call out on Twitter for, for a Q&A. We're going to answer a couple questions. And I got one for you, Chrissy. I'm ready. Are you ready? I am. So this question comes from, as I pull it up, it comes from Isaac um, on Twitter. His his handle is at Isaac's Haunted B. Um, and his name is Isaac's Haunted Beard on Twitter. Woo-woo. And his question he gave us is, if Nicolas Cage was in a Star Wars movie, would he be a better good guy or a bad guy and why? I'm going to let you answer first. I've okay. got really strong. You have a strong opinion on this one? Go ahead. Uh, I think he'd be an incredible Imperial Army captain. So bad guy. Yeah. Okay. Why? Uh, there's just, I, I don't know how to describe it other than to say maybe because I'm... I, uh, my lens is colored <laughs> by face off, but he was such a good bad guy in that, that I could just see him being like a crazy Imperial army guy. So I'm going to agree on you in that one, Chris. I would definitely say bad guy, Isaac, and only bad guy. Like if everyone saw force awakens, I see if Nicholas Cage was in the star Wars universe, he'd be like a older Kylo Ren, like bad guy. Like, wow. Very uh, temperamental, pissed off. Like if you make him angry, he's going to like pop off on you. I feel like guy. he'd be that same temperamental guy that you're discussing, but I see him more as like the replacement for like Grandma Tarkin. Like <laughs> Grandma Tarkin? Isn't that his name? <laughs> he's like, but he'd be like, <laughs> where in the hell is in Zeus's butthole? <laughs> Is the resistance and he like lightsaber everything or something? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Oh wow! I would love to see like I want Nicolas Cage in so many films. I just saw somebody just wrote a thing about he should be in a Quentin Tarantino film, and I agree. Um, I just feel like he's a national treasure that we are not properly utilizing to 
full capacity. We're really into the Coppolas tonight. We've already mentioned the first the Coppola, and now we're talking about Nick Cage. Um, so uh, Carla and Holly at uh, the Theme Park Films podcast, which is at Theme Park Films on Twitter, um, asked asked us, "What's your favorite ride slash attraction in Universal Studios LA?" Which when I post this question, Chrissy's like, I don't know. I didn't even get to ride rides last time. I didn't. So we went with friends, which was always fun. But we also went with small children. So uh, Justin and, and our friends rode all the rides. And I stayed behind with the youngest baby most of the time. So that means I rode two things. I rode the 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 studio tour tram with my baby strapped to me and sleeping. And I rode the roller coaster in Harry Potter land. Did, but didn't you ride the Harry Potter ride too? No. Oh, just the roller coaster. Yes. So which one of those two? But that I mean, that's not the only time you've been to Universal. But you I've probably o- just don't remember what. I've only been uh, once before, and it was to see my friend in uh, Susic. Not Susical. What am I saying? Um, oh, come on, Grinch. I know. I was yeah. with you. Oh yeah. So there you go. And I didn't, we didn't ride rides that night. So what's so, your favorite? Uh, I guess it has to be the studio tour. <laughs> <laughs> I was a Desperate Housewives fan, so to see those Desperate Housewives houses on Wisteria Lane was pretty cool. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest with ourselves, uh, when you have kids and you're taking them to a place like Universal Studios and you're tired and it's hot, the tram tour is like a welcome respite. Like, yeah, minus the earthquake portion. It's cool. <laughs> that part not so respite. I mean, I could have slept through that part too. I'm just talking about like it's it's you're resting. It's cool. Um, they have a, a a Fast and the Furious like hologram thing on it now, which is really super cool. Um, I would have to pick. Um, I love Universal Studios. Uh, I would have to pick a tie between. Uh, they have a Transformers ride there, which Chrissy didn't go on, Did you go but. On it? But I went on with our daughter, uh, and it was really super cool. Like, it's one of those where I'm like, man, I am super really getting old because this is awesome. And if I was, <laughs> if I was like 10 years old again, this would be one of the rides where I would just like, I would ride it and then instantly get back in line. Like, there's holograms and like moat, like water, like flying in your face and you're all over the place and like you're moving. And then I also love the Waterworld um, show, which is a you actually sit down and watch a Waterworld type uh, stage show with skidoos and How explosions they- and sea-doos, people jumping. Skidoos, huh? Skidoos, not skidoos. Did they? I'm drinking what? Go ahead. Did they actually like make a real show at Universal Studios Hollywood over a flop of a movie? Number one, shut your face. <laughs> Number two, you haven't seen the movie, so you can say nothing about Waterworld. It's on our list of things to watch. Are we cup, uh, accompanying that with the postman? I would defend Waterworld with all my might. Oh, my God. It's a great show. I mean, how long ago did that movie come out? And they still have 90s. the show there. Like, there's like uh, protests if they want to take that show away from Universal Studios. Wow. It's amazing. Stop, stop talking crap about oh, it. Yeah, anyway. That's fine. Thank you I for love the question. Wa- I love Waterworld. Uh, and then one final question to to round it out. This one comes from our boy Dave at the uh, Super Movie Bros podcast, uh, which is at Super Movie Pod on Twitter. And he says, what films do you love, meaning me, that you may never get Chrissy to watch? Now, there's – I don't know if I love this. 
uh, film or round of films. Um, but I, I've been trying to get Christy to watch for a while now, and uh, she's said no every time. What movie am I talking about, Chris? I'm not going to watch The Human Centipede, Justin. So, guys, have you seen Human Centipede? <laughs> There's three films, and they are crazy. And I've been trying to get Christy to watch at least just the first one. I'm sorry. You I was just... like, you can watch it like with your eyes like partially covered. No, 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 no. I'll sleep through it just to get out of it. Like, are you There's no way me? you're going to sleep through a human centipede. No, I think it will. They just are, to get out of it. They're like attaching people's buttholes to people's mouths. I'm sorry. You just tried to have me eat a hot dog ensconced in a fucking Could you imagine Twinkie. the snack challenge for that one? No. <laughs> We're not having a snack but challenge. Please, let's just watch the first one. No, I was like, "How about this? We'll just watch the first ten minutes, and then you, and then we can like, you know, Listen, the next ten minutes." You were able if you to bring me it. around on the Lord of the Rings crap, right? But that was like a whole weekend that I want back. But so, no, I am not watching the Human Centipede. So, other than Human Centipede, which, like I said, I don't really love that movie, but I think would it be amazing to watch with Chrissy. I have been trying to get her to watch the Fast and the Furious movies for a long time. That it's may just, happen. She's kind of been poo-pooing on that for a while. Because there's seven. And again, she, she poo-pooed on Lord of the Rings for a long because time. Because there was like six. There were three Lord uh, of the Rings Whatever. It felt like six. They're like three hours each. <laughs> so there's another Fast and the Furious film coming out. Eight's coming out this year. Oh, my God. And um, up until now, like, Chrissy has refused to see them. And I've had to see well, them with friends. Because now What's-His-Face is gone. Paul, Paul Ryan. Paul Walker. Ryan. Paul Ryan is not in the Fast and Furious films. Um, it God. So wait a minute. So you're saying you might actually watch them now? Yeah, but not in one weekend. I'm not watching seven like we used to with Harry Potter and and what's it called? Lord of the Rings. It would be an amazing weekend. We have to face facts. Are we going to have to hire a babysitter? Because there's that. It will take you legitimately a month to watch seven Fast and the Furious films before well, we can get to ready for the next one. So. There you go. So Human Centipede. No. Yes. No. Fast and the Furious. Yes. No. Maybe. Um, been working on those. So anyway, thanks for the question, Great guys. Great question, though. Um, if you got more, please contact us on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, the, at Movie Geek Cast on Twitter. Also, Facebook, we are uh, at Movie Geek Cast, though you can also search for So I Married a Movie Geek, and you'll find us that way as well. Um, what else? So we gave the, we gave the grades for the two yes, movies. Yes, we did. Um, Justin's had some sake. <laughs> stop making fun of me. I'm not. At least I ate part of my snack challenge. Well, congratulations. You're smiling. Um, but... Uh, if we, what else? What else? What else? What are you giving me that look for? I gave you shrug emoji face. Shrug emoji face. Yeah. Um. Hey, you know what's really important, guys? What? Voting. I mean, what? Sorry. iTunes reviews. Yes, voting on iTunes. Voting on iTunes. Yes. No, like iTunes reviews are basically the most important thing that you could do for us. If you like us, if you listen to us. And would be so nice to give us a five-star rating, a good review. What are you doing, Chrissy? Nothing. On iTunes, that would be amazing. It would be pretty awesome. Um, and if so, we can give you a shout-out on the show. Like, I got a couple for you, Chris. So, um, But not just if you give us, like, five stars. Like, you could just, like, give us a review. I don't want to be like, you have to give us five stars and we won't talk about you on the show. Because we've read negative reviews, too. So, um, 
Andre at Large Marge sent us, which is a um, hashtag pardon family, hashtag movie pod squad show. Woo-woo. Gave us a review saying, living vicariously through this. She said, someday I hope I'll marry a movie geek who shares my love of film, but until that day, this podcast is the perfect replacement. I so enjoy their discussions, their commentary, and their ob- observations. Brilliant stuff. Keep it up. Oh, thanks, Large Marge. Um, John, now in Technicolor, um, also from Hashtag Pardon Family, says, So I'm not alone. Love the show. The chemistry of the host is great. And the sidetrack banner is highly amusing. Chrissy is terrible at snack challenges. Oh, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> being a movie buff and also being married to a woman who can't remember a movie. We just watched the show. <laughs> the show is highly relatable. Um, the large variety of movies they cover always gives you something interesting to listen to or something you can go back and still enjoy. The show is great. And always remember, Chrissy gets forced boners for Jabba. Smiley face. Um, No. It was a forced boner for Darth Vader, no. not Jabba. No. Chrissy... Don't, don't try to, no. No, no. No, no, no. no. I remember my don't force try to gaslight bonus, me. Justin. You're like, Jabba. Oh, wait, look. Boy, yo, yo, you yo, wouldn't yo, tell yo. the difference between my vomit and the Twinkie hot boy, dog yo, yo, yo. combination this, on Chrissy. this Look at this, Chrissy. Look at this. Justin, don't even. Don't even. I can't. He just filleted a Twinkie. And now he's eating it with the hot dog inside of it. And cheese Whiz. Because that's the man I married, guys. That's the man I married. It's really regret. It's really regret? Yes, it is regretful. What? <laughs> anyway, we've probably gone too long. You think? <laughs> I apologize. That's okay. But I feel like main thing everyone needs to remember is... Love is love is love is love. Get your self-carrying, guys. Get your, you know, your mental health breaks in because it's a marathon not a race we're all in this together try your wiener <laughs> tweaky sandwiches try your wiener just leave it there try your wiener uh, what else do you have to say chris um if you have been thinking about running for congress or any position <laughs> of power now would be a really good time to get your name put into the ring let's all do that yes be the change time. Be the, be the change that you want to see in the world. But uh, other than that, I guess we will see you guys next week. Next week we have hashtag fantasy movie draft. Chrissy's joining in next week. I will be back from Florida. It's going to be great. She's been wanting to uh, compete. Now she needs to go pee. So we're going to let her do that. Hey, thanks for announcing. <laughs> I mean, I'm over here doing the pee pee dance. I'm- and then just like, hey, by the way, guess who has the table? And I'm going to have some more sake anyway, but thanks, guys. We love you. We'll see you guys next week. Yep. Bye.